Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have my friend Lance Kronberger of Freelance Outdoor Adventures and Cinder River Lodge, and we're going to be talking about Alaska. Lance, how you doing? Doing great. Last time I saw you, you had a crew of guys and were hiking out uh, out of our sheep camp, headed to the next sheep camp. Uh, after an awesome hunt uh, there in the Chugach, uh, where you and your guys uh, put Dar and I on a beautiful ram and um, had had a phenomenal hunt. That was a awesome trip that I'll never forget. Um, how was the hunt after I left you? Uh, the hunts were good. You know, you gotta you gotta see firsthand. You know, there are challenges um, usually weather related so you know we went from bad weather in uh, in the chugach to bad weather in the toke and we were able to to find a nice nine-year-old ram up there but you know that's always our that's our biggest struggle is um fighting the weather and and uh hoping that it just clears up enough that we can be successful yeah you know um darn i still talk about what an adventure that was and hiking in the chugach and and um getting that awesome ram and just the experience and the Chugach is an amazingly rough place, uh, very, very rugged, and I got to see it firsthand for sure. Um, let's back up a second. Um, we, we've done a podcast before uh, with you, and um, but I think, I think we should uh, do this for the people that maybe haven't heard that and get kind of a broad spectrum of or a broad view of what you do at Freelance Outdoor Adventures and uh, Cinder River Lodge. So can you give us kind of an overview of your operation um, there in Alaska? All right. Well, you know, the, the one thing is, is you know, if you're going to be an outfitter slash guide full-time, uh, it's one of those things, you know, it's the, it's the age-old conundrum. What do you do, you know, the rest of the year? And so we, we kind of, made our business to where we could guide as much as possible. So we travel throughout the state uh, following the seasons on areas that, um, that we thought were, had great, great trophy quality and had high, high probability of success. So basically our year starts out in the spring. Um, we do Kodiak brown bear hunts on Kodiak Island on the south end of the island. We have an area down there. And then we, we fall right into the years that we have spring Peninsula brown bear hunts, which is on the Alaska Peninsula, and that's where our Cinder River Lodge is at. And so um, we'll do brown bear in the spring, and then we'll go right from that into uh, grizzly bear hunts in our Uniclete area. Um, the, the grizzly bear hunts are farther north. The seasons go a lot later. They go until June 15th. So we run up into, into that. And then, you know, the end of June and the month of July – we do a few fishing trips, but, but spend most of our time getting ready for the sheep season, which is in August. We hunt 14C and Toke. Um, both those areas are draw only for sheep. Um, Johnny and I decided that that's where we wanted to kind of concentrate our sheep hunting efforts because we wanted to be able to have a high probability of success, and we wanted to hunt what we thought were the oldest, uh, best best trophy quality rams consistently in the state. And so um, the token 14C, both are limited draw. 
have a limited number of non-residents and a limited number of residents. Um, so, you know, it's not the best business decision because we don't know how many hunters we have from year to year, but uh, it's the best uh, it's the best way for us to keep guys successful, keep guys happy, and then have a, a tremendous experience. Um, you know, you were one of the few last year that drew, and you got to kind of see, you know, I live in 14C, so we're able to do a lot of uh, preseason scouting and, and uh, got a crew of guys that uh, know it and love it, and it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that we can do. Uh, it's in our backyard. And so um, that and the toke, so we hunt sheep that way, and then we go into, you know, we got some goat that is on the limited draw in 14C. We usually do a couple goat hunts, and then we go into doing moose and grizzly bear in our uniclete area and then follow right in, into the fall and uh, fall brown bear hunts and then end up on Kodiak at the end of the year doing uh, brown bear, do a few goat hunts down there, and then do some Sitka blacktail um, right up till about Thanksgiving. And then uh, then we call her good, and Alaska's turned into full-blown winter then. And then you kind of have show season in January and February, right, and then kind of start it all over again come, come May. Yep, yep, we just kind of roll right through it. And, you know, I, like in any business, I mean, the paperwork and, and all the agencies we deal with, you know, uh, and, and there's a lot... You know, there's a lot of communication, just like, you know, when you were coming for your sheep hunt, we get everybody applied, and then once guys draw draw tags, you know, I'm into, you know, here's your workout schedule, here's your gear list, here's what we can expect, this is how we're going to do things, and uh, so there's a lot of communications, and that all takes that all takes time, but I, I think that is a huge part of guys being successful, is trying to communicate exactly what they've got themselves into. If you've never hunted Alaska before, uh, and, and you you could speak to this, I can you, know, you go hunt to a sheep hunt <laughs> in Northwest Territories, and you come to a sheep hunt in Alaska. You're sheep hunting both places, but the experiences are totally different. And I'm not saying one's better or, or one's worse. I'm just saying they're different. So you know, trying to correlate, hey, this is how we're doing it in Alaska, where we hunt, and having guys ready is is a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. I got to see that uh, firsthand, uh, having that NWT hunt and having that Alaska hunt kind of back-to-back. Okay, so let's talk about the sheep here first. So you you run your hunts in 14C, the Chugach, uh, and then you run your hunts in the Toke. Both are draw units. Um, and, And just to be clear, in Alaska, in the state, there's a lot of opportunities for doll sheep hunting. And there are opportunities where guys can just uh, sign up with an outfitter and go doll sheep hunting and don't have to draw. One of the challenges with that system is the hunting can be very, very difficult compared to the draw units. Not that the actual terrain or anything is, is different. It's the fact that the rams uh, can be hunted by lots and lots of people, so they're very pressured. Talk about the difference in, you know, guys going to hunt Alaska just to go buy a tag and just go up and hunt, uh, I guess, their general-type units, and then talk about the draw units and what sets sets those experiences apart. So, you know, the the biggest 
the biggest thing that makes a hunt for an outfitter hard to uh, hard to operate is if, if we don't if we can't manage our areas, which none of us can, because we have basically we have unlimited resident hunting opportunity in any place that's over the counter. So um, with the popularity of sheep hunting and stuff, it's really hard to uh, walk by uh, an eight-year-old ram that's barely legal and say, hey, we're not going to shoot that and it'll be here next year because there's a good chance that the guy coming behind you is going to kill that. And so, and that doesn't always happen, but it's, that's just always a concern. You never know how many people are going to be hunting from year to year in a general area. Um, so we hunted general areas for years and did well, but as it got more and more pressure, it became harder and harder to not just find older class rams, but to have the opportunity of having 100% success. I want to know each year we've got a really good chance of being 100% success. We may not always be 100% success. It's still hunting, but I want to know. So the last three years, we've had 100% success on our rifle sheep hunters. That's kind of, I, I want to feel like that is a real opportunity uh, at the beginning of the season. If I'm hunting a general area, that's going to be pretty tough because I don't know year to year how many residents are going to be there. With the draw, you know how many non-resident tags are given, you know how many resident tags are given, and uh, to be honest, just because of, of the familiarity we have of the areas now, we kind of have an idea of how the sheep are doing, how the populations are doing. Both of these areas are are heavily monitored to where um, if we had some kind of die-off or a, a real issue, um, I'd, have a, I'd have a feel for something happening like that to where uh, we'd cut down on the number of hunters. Where if you're, a, if you're a small operator and you're making your whole living on doing sheep hunts and all of a sudden you've got a big die-off or something, it's really hard to like, all right, we're just going to cancel guys and say, hey, don't come. Um, that, I, that's a tough deal because uh, we have a short working season. And so, you know, anyway, that's why we hunt the draw areas because when you show up, you and Dar show up, I shake your hand, I say, we're going hunting. Boy, I want to go, man, we're going to find a ram. I don't want to be saying, man, I sure hope we can find a legal ram. And that first eight-year-old ram we see, we got a we got a pound. Otherwise, the chance of being successful um, really goes down. So that's why we hunt the dry areas. And we've talked about uh, before. We've talked about the differences in in uh, the deadline for applying for the draw areas and other animals in Alaska is December fifteenth. Correct. That is correct. So we got to have it in by five o'clock. December 15th, Alaska time, um, you know, and, and, and to apply for sheep and a few other species in different areas, um, but token 14C sheep, you have to have a guide client agreement. So you have to be a, a signed up with an outfitter prior to applying, and the outfitter needs to be applying you because we have to put in a special code. So we have an application form. Guys can download it off our website and, uh, and fill it out and send it to us, and um, I'll go over, you know, what picks uh, to put them in for and get it in before the 15th, and uh, the results come out mid-February, and, and we figure it out then and, and, and plan the hunt if you draw. 
Yeah, and the interesting thing is, I believe it was the second year, trying to think, I had only been putting in a couple years, um, and I drew uh, the, the, a great tag, but that's not super common. Talk a little bit about um, the draw odds and you know, non-residents and, and that sort of thing. So Alaska is a little bit different than the other states. You can have six choices in Alaska, and you can, put, you can put those six choices all in for the same hunt, or you can spread them out into different hunts. Each choice is put into the hat separately. So basically, you've got six chances of drawing. Um, and the only time your order of choices matters is if you draw two of them, they give you your higher choice. So draws are a little bit tough to, to calculate, but as a rule of thumb, over the years of, of us applying, guys, the chances of drawing a sheep tag are around 5%. Um, so, you know, I tell guys, you know, someone's got to draw, you got to get put in. Uh, it's, you got to buy a hunting license, which is $160, and it's $5 a choice. So you're into it $190, and you got a chance of drawing a doll sheep tag, and it's probably, it's as good a quality sheep hunt as you're going to get anywhere in North America, but when it's all said and done, travel, all that kind of stuff, you're about $10,000 less expensive than like if you were to go on a high-quality Canadian hunt. Um, and so that's kind of you know, that's kind of what I tell guys is, you know, this is this is why you should apply and and get in, um, just from that standpoint. Now, if you are not physically able or you're not physically uh, looking for that type of physical hunt, then by all means, um, there's places you can go in Canada that have a helicopter and do things like that 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 take out the physical aspect that the token 14C um, present on, on our sheep hunts. Now, I shot a ram, obviously, last year on the hunt. How long of a waiting period do I have before I can apply again for sheep in Alaska? So you got to wait four years. If you harvested a ram, you know, in uh, 2017 or 2018, that's when the law came in that it's one every four if you harvested one before then, you don't have to. But if you harvested in 17 or 18, you've got to wait four years before you can come back sheep hunting. Now, if you were unsuccessful, you can, you can apply and, and come. But if you were successful, you got a four-year wait. Okay. Um, when you're talking specifically about the toke and the chugach, um, talk a little bit about the differences in terrain, differences in hunt, and then talk about the sheep themselves as far as, you know, their horn configuration, uh, what's different between the two areas, and give the listeners a little bit of an idea of kind of how far apart they are, um, but kind of compare and contrast the two areas, if you will. Okay. So 14C is just, just outside of Anchorage. It's the Chugach Mountains that are, that are right behind Anchorage. Uh, like I said, that's where I live. The 14C sheep tend to be a little bit heavier, um, a little bit darker horned. Um, they, 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 they have a different look to them. They are, they're really ridgy. The, the growth rings are usually really defined, and they tend to be broomed rams when they get older. Um, 14C, just by the nature of, of where it's at, it's a coastal mountain range. Um, it gets a lot of wet snow. 
the sheep populations aren't super dense. Um, they're not like other places where, you know, winter habitat is, is not, you just get that winter wet snow and that's hard on those sheep. So the, the sheep population isn't super dense. We're not going to see a ton of legal rams, but there's a good chance we're going to find really good ones. Um, you know, we're looking for a ram like what, you know, you harvest an 11-year-old double-broomed ram that scored 160. That's kind of what uh, we're looking for. They're not always like that, but we are always able to find rams to be, to be successful. But 14C is very physical. And I'm not saying toke is not physical. You still need to be in good shape. But if you're looking between the two, 14C is more physical than the toke. So um, the toke rams tend to be a little bit longer, have a little bit smaller bases. The density in the toke is much greater as far as the number of sheep. Um, the toke area is the eastern Alaska range. So it's, it's as a crow flies, it's about 300 miles north of 14C. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a totally different area in the state. We drive up there um, and, and, and start in the town of Toke and go into the eastern Alaska range. Um, you know, we don't have the brush to fight. It's not as glaciated a type of country as 14C. Um, it's just a, you know, if you hunted both of them, you'd go, boy, I killed nice rams in both spots, but they were... The country was totally different. The number of sheep we saw was different. The horn configuration was different. If there's, you know, if I have 14 C rams and toke rams sitting in my garage, they definitely have a different look to them. Let's talk about um, the archery opportunities and rifle opportunities because I believe both units have have both opportunities. Um, talk a little bit about that. Okay, so there is, in 14C only, there's an archery-only hunt. It's an October hunt. So Fishing Game has an archery-only tag for 14C. You have to have an archery education uh, certificated card. So um, to apply, you have to have had, uh, it's, it's like it's bow hunter education. If you have that number, you can apply for 14C for that October hunt. What I want to tell guys is that October hunt was put there for an opportunity. It was not like, hey, we're given a special season that's a really good time to hunt sheep with a bow. That is not the case. It is an October hunt. The rifle hunts have all happened. We have been successful on the hunt, and we have been, uh, guys have had great hunts on that time but it is not for the faint of heart. It is, you know, it's cold. Uh, sometimes we got, you know, we got, we got enough snow that pushes the sheep down, but it also limits uh, how we can get around. It's just one of those hunts that is, um, it's, you need to know if you're coming for that hunt, you're coming for the experience, and we're about 30% success. Now, for a guy who says, I, I'm, I'm hardcore archery, I don't care about the size, I just want to come and, and chase sheep with a bow, then that's a great hunt. The nice thing about the archery-only hunt is it is any ram, where when you come on a rifle hunt, it is eight years old or full curl or double-broomed. So 
you know, we tell guys that want to hunt with a bow, you need to either put in for the archery-only hunt or you put in for the first-season toke where there's, you know, quite a few rams. Um, the weather's usually a little bit better. The, the difference is if you come for the first-season toke, it's got to be rifle legal even if you're hunting with a bow. So it um, makes it more difficult because you've got to make sure you're looking at the right ram and shooting the right ram, and we've got to make sure it's legal, which makes it a little bit more difficult because you, you get a group of four or five rams, and we're hunting a rifle tag with a bow, and you shoot the wrong ram, we got problems. You do that same thing in 14C, you shoot the wrong ram. As long as it's a ram, we're good to go. So that is always, you know, um, that's always the challenge of guys who say, I want an archery hunt, and they're coming during a rifle season. And, and we've taken and taken guys, and we've been successful, but you just you got to be a little more careful on, on um, making sure that they're on the right sheet. Lance, let's shift gears a second here and talk about your goat hunting. You briefly talked about it, but give the opportunities that you provide and, and your guide service provides for goats. So for the goats, you know, we hunt goats in, in 14C and we hunt goats on Kodiak. Um, the goat hunting in 14C is, um, is a draw for rifle hunters. So we have a rifle hunt draw that happens. There's lots of goats. The the um, the terrain is tough. Um, it is a backpack style hunt, but it, it, it's basically you get up into the goat country, and because of how it's glaciated, you can't do a ton of moving. But we got plenty of goats, and you're kind of doing glassing here and there, waiting it, waiting for the goats to move into places where not only can you kill them, but you can kill them and retrieve them. So. Um, you know, our success is good. Uh, just need the right guys that, that want to hunt goat. Um, it's about a 25% chance of drawing if you put all your choices there. So that's a, that's a good way to go. We also have an archery-only season. It's in the middle of August. Um, that has now moved into being um, over-the-counter tag. So we'll take one or two guys for that. But we don't usually book those until we see what happens with the draw um, because if we draw good um, I may not I may not have guides available to be doing uh, doing that hunt that time of year and what about then on we Kodiak? Do goat hunts on Kodiak we do just a few hunts on Kodiak for Billy's um, we've got a, a healthy population but our our country on Kodiak doesn't have a ton of goats um, Fishing game is really is really pushing uh, that they need more goats killed on Kodiak, and we have a we have like I said a healthy population. But I'm trying to be really really selective on the number of billies that we're killing out of there. And what's happened is we've gotten a bunch of these older nannies that you know fishing game once killed, it's hard to find hunters that are looking for them. But we're going to start doing some uh, some nanny only hunts. We'll do them. We'll do them archery, or we'll do them uh, rifle. Uh, late season got great hair, but it's just one of those things. Like you know, hey, just want guys to know we're only going to harvest nannies on these hunts because uh, 
fishing games kind of got you know they want they want the population really dropped on Kodiak and it's um it's it's difficult if you don't tell guys right up front hey we're looking to kill a nanny because um, you don't really control the population by just killing billies. Is the draw for goat hunting um, similar to sheep, or are the odds much better? The odds are much better, and um, but you got to put in like before this December fifteenth. Um, the odds are much better just because you don't have you have so many places in the state of Alaska that you can get go over the counter that there's just not that many people applying and. <clears throat> to be honest, there's places that are easier to hunt goats than in the Chugach, but there's not a lot of places that are more beautiful than, than hunting goats in the Chugach. And then, Lance, um, your bear operations. Um, talk a little bit about starting the bear operation and some of the challenges. It was fun listening to your stories uh, that you were telling Dar and I about, you know, Cinder River Lodge and you know, how all of that came to fruition. Talk a little bit about kind of how that all started and then um, talk about your opportunities there. Yeah, so, you know, it, it was, you know, when I came to Alaska the very first time, I came as a packer for brown bear down on the Alaska Peninsula and, and just kind of fell in love with the, the, the challenge. I mean, if I always say if guys would just let me hunt sheep and bears the rest of my life, I'd be tickled to death. But uh, bears are cool and... If you've never, if you've never hunted bears, it, it it's hard to understand. But just you know, guys say, ah, "I'm I'm thinking about coming on a bear hunt," and then they come and they go, "Man, it was cool watching them. It was cool seeing them." So, in you know, I came and guided all over the state and guided on Kodiak and, and just kind of trying to figure out where I thought the best place um, to to buy an operation. And so we ended up buying Cinder River Lodge, which is down on the Alaska Peninsula which is probably one of the most remote places in the state, the most challenging logistically to hunt. There's just not a lot of services down there that allow you to to um, to operate easily down there. So we have a lodge down on the Alaska Peninsula. We do uh, bear hunts in the spring on even-numbered years. So, you know, we did it this spring, 2018, 2020, 2022, and then in the fall on odd-numbered years. So our next season is fall of 2019. Um, takes place in October. Um, the Alaska Peninsula's got horrible weather, um, but it's got lots of bears, and that's where the bears live. And so um, we go down there and, and have a, uh, a lodge and a super cub on staff and um, fly out to our camps and, and get dropped off and, you know, I've had, you know, we're running about 80% success on bears over nine foot. Um, and, and that's about, bear hunting is is a little bit different than sheep hunting because, you know, you've got to be able to keep track of them. So, um, you know, there are some that move into the brush and they get away and that's just the way it goes and that, that's hunting. But we do brown bear down there and then we do grizzly bear up in northwest Alaska, up out of Unicleet. We got a, a large area up there uh, with lots of bears. Um, we uh, we ran, you know we had everybody but one guy got a bear last year. So we were you know we saw lots of bears and population looks good. And so bear hunting has been something that kind of it, we do a lot of bear hunting. That's the majority of our of our business, which is 
is to our advantage because bears are definitely the most hard, they're, they're most difficult to judge. So having lots and lots of bear hunting opportunity um, because if, you, if you're off on sexing them, you're a foot off on size. Just if you say it's a boar and it ends up being a sow, when you walk up there, there's going to be a lot of ground shrinkage. So anyway, um, that comes with looking at a lot of a lot of bears because there's you know there's the bearded lady out there every now and then. There's one that fools you, and you just you just want to try to limit that um, as much as possible. But you know the the bears have been great, and I'm seeing more and more guys that are sheep hunters that have went sheep hunting with me all over the place, and then they come and do a bear hunt, and they go, man, this is this is a lot of fun, also. So. Um, you know, we're doing doing bears as, as much as we can, and then we have uh, we have a few tags on Kodiak that we do um, start in the spring. We do spring and fall, but uh, the majority of our bear hunts take place uh, at Cinder River and uh, up doing grizzly bears up in Unicleet. Talk a little bit about the difference between brown bears and grizzly bears. I know we've talked about it on the other podcast, but for those listening. Uh, that are maybe intrigued about the bears, um, you know, talk talk a little bit about, you know, how you hunt them, the, the animal themselves, are they the same, are they different, you know, give, give a lowdown on that. So, you know, technically by uh, biological standards, they're the same bear. Um, Boone and Crockett and SCI, they they decipher the difference between brown bears and grizzly bears. So Boone and Crockett definition, if you're south of the 62nd parallel and in Alaska, you're a brown bear. So basically, you know, uh, if you're south of the Alaska range, so you got, you know, you have the Alaska Peninsula, Kodiak Island, southeast Alaska, and south of the Alaska range. Those are brown bears. Um, So uh, just inherently... That area has a, a longer has a longer um, season that the bears are out of hibernation. They get more food. They have genetics to be bigger, but it it inherently comes down to to how much food they have available and for how long they have it available. So your brown bears are bigger than a grizzly bear. Grizzly bears are in Canada and they're north of the 62nd parallel. So we have. Kodiak in the Alaska Peninsula where we hunt brown bears. We have Unicleet where we hunt northwest Alaska. That's where we hunt grizzly bears. There is the biggest thing people don't understand. There is a huge difference in size between a brown bear and a grizzly bear. I mean, and so a grizzly bear, a great big grizzly bear, is going to be around 8 foot. A great big brown bear is going to be around 10 foot. Um, I would say if you kill a grizzly bear over seven foot, you've killed a really nice bear. And if you kill a brown bear over nine foot, it's a really nice bear. But what guys don't understand is if you kill a 10-foot brown bear, that's a three-dimensional animal. And, and we've, we've, we've kind of lost, because we don't talk in weight, because we don't weigh them. So when guys say, hey, my bear weighed this much, unless they shot it and they had some place to get a scale, we're, we're, we're just guessing. But, you know, a 10-foot bear, an honest 10-foot bear, it's three-dimensional. It's 10 by 10 by 10. Not that 1,000. An 8-foot bear, three-dimensional, is 8 by 8 by 8. It's a little over 500. So it's twice as big 
it's sheer mass. And so that, that's what guys don't understand is they'll shoot a, a brown bear and then they'll come grizzly bear hunting and they'll shoot a grizzly bear and we'll shoot a nice grizzly bear and they'll walk up to it and go, we shot a baby. Like, that's what they are. So um, even though they're the same genus species, their size is, is drastically different, their temperament is drastically different, and, you know, when you get into grizzly bears, especially in our area, you get a lot of different colors. We get a lot of different variations of colors. Um, we still have the big boars that end up being brown, but they all have some kind of blonde tinge to them. A brown bear, most of the time, is a dark brown, is a chocolate brown bear, which is on the Alaska Peninsula and down on Kodiak. So, even though they're the same, they're drastically different, the way we hunt them is drastically different. Brown bears, you spend a lot of time getting to one spot and, and glassing. Grizzly bears, you can do it that way, or you can do it, you know, our country is really open where we travel around a lot. We do it a little bit like a sheep hunt, and sometimes we'll go and spike out, and, and we have long days. So it just, um, they're both great adventures. They're both awesome animals to hunt. They're just, you know, they're definitely different, um, not only in the way you hunt, but the way they look and their temperament. Grizzly bears are, are you know, they don't live in, as concentrated of an area, and so they're definitely, um, they don't have as much food. They're traveling around a lot more. They're, they don't get anchored in one spot. They're, they're much more nomadic. So anyway, um, that's kind of the differences between those two. Lance, I want to take just a second here and thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson is the optics manager. He's the optics authority and GoHunt.com gear shop. Cody's the optics manager. You can reach him at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can email him at optics at GoHunt.com. If you need anything to do with optics, binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, tripods, etc., you can give Cody a call or reach out to him on the email. He's promised me and has already been taking care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. Uh, also, Kuyu.com, that's K-U-I-U.com, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Lance, we're going to talk about gear here in a minute. Uh, obviously, uh, you use Kuyu gear as well, and uh, we're going to talk about that. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship of this podcast. Uh, CanyonCoolers.com, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. If you use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount uh, on all orders. Phonescope.com. Uh, Lance, I used uh, my phone scope to uh, video uh, the rams and my my experience up there with you, doll sheep hunting. If you use the J. Scott 18 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. And then onxmaps.com, uh, if you use J. Scott 18 promo code, you're going to get a 20% discount on all orders. Lance, uh, let's talk a little bit about gear. Um, you know, obviously on the hunt you kind of dialed me in with what what i needed but and you know when we were at the kuyu mountain academy in june um you did a great seminar on you know you focus on being you know your your motto of your guide services we focus on wet cold and miserable um you know let's talk some about gear uh but you know we we can't we can't talk about gear and we can't talk about Kuyu and some of the things that we use without talking about the the passing of our friend Jason Harrison, 
I know this September, uh, I believe you were in uh, Cinder River. I was able to catch you on your satellite phone um, when we heard about the news. And it's just tragic news that we're all still dealing with uh, every day, thinking about our buddy Jason. Um, before we get to talking about gear, I just wanted to ask you a few questions because I think you can shed some very good perspective on our friend Jason. Uh, having hunted with him and having, you know, you, you really helped Jason uh, design and, and come up with a lot of the gear that, that Kuyu makes. Um, I guess first and foremost, my condolences to you because I know you lost a great friend uh, as well as I did. But, uh, you know, what kind of guy was Jason? Maybe the people that, that didn't get to know him like you did, you know, what, what would you say? You know, and Jason, you know, he was he was a great friend, and it, it's always interesting because you know um, he, you know, he was out there, and he was he was a, a bigger than life figure, and and lots of people knew who he was and didn't know him really well, and and you know, I always say, you know, you get to a certain stage in your life, and and even though you can make make more friends, you've kind of you've kind of already went through the trenches and, and those bonds that were made in the trenches when you were starting out getting going and, and you were struggling with, with figuring out your path in life, those friends that were there with you, you know, and so when you lose one, it's not like you go and find another friend, you're just down a friend. And, and Jason and I had, you know, we had a, a unique bond. You know, we, I, I don't know if people, I'll make the story short and sweet, but Jason reached out to me when he was at Sitka, when he started Sitka, looking for someone to test stuff. And um, what was crazy is, you know, his mom uh, lived in Sun Valley, and I had a bunch of clients from Sun Valley, Idaho, and I was from Idaho, and he just said, you know, my name kept on coming up, and so we got this friendship, and I tested stuff for him at Sitka, and, and, and we just really hit it off. And, um, and so when he started to you, and it wasn't even – you know, nobody even knew about it and had dinner with, you know, him and his wife and me and my wife, and he told me what he was going to, you know, his plan for Kuyu and needed somebody to test it. And so I got the first set of Chugach gear, and we and we tested it out, and it was, it was interesting. The colors didn't come out great on it, so it had this, like, purple tinge to it. So when we took all the photos for the ads, they were all in black and white, so you couldn't tell that the colors on the prototypes didn't come out right. And Jason and I joked about it, and, and he was just... They actually had a little pink, a little pink tinge to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> and so we joked about that, and we had a great time. And, and over the years, Jason and I just would bounce things off. He was one of those guys that, you know, I might not talk to him for three or four months, and all of a sudden the phone would ring, and... And it was like we hadn't missed a beat. And, you know, Jason was always trying to um, to do the best job he could for the guys. I mean, he was he was all about let's just make it the best. And, and Jason and I got to spend a lot of time together on some super difficult hunts and spend a lot of time just me and him sitting on the tundra talking about life. And, and I knew... I knew about, you know, his CTE and, and the stuff from, from playing football and, and the brain stuff. And um, so it, it was one of those things, you know, he was in, in my thoughts and prayers all the time before this even. And um, so we had 
had the opportunity to do a, a brown bear hunt this last spring, and um, it was just a special time with, with uh, just our crew and him and Brendan, and we, we were able to just, you know, I just remember we're sitting down there. He's killed a 10-foot bear. We're taking pictures, and we got a big crew there, and everybody started skinning, and Jason and I just sat there and just looked at each other, and it was just like, man, like the sun is out. It's a beautiful day, like this is living, this is what we're doing, and, and we just had that bond, and Jason was, was just one of those friends that um, I'm, I'm going to miss seeing him at the shows and him just walking up with that big grin and, and, and you know, jabbing me about something, but, you know, we just, we had this special relationship, and he was a great guy, and um, it's, it's sad that, you know, um, it, it's hard to express, but you know, uh, the wires touched, and and you know, and, and he made a bad decision. That it wasn't the Jason I knew, and it wasn't the Jason I know that you knew, and uh, it wasn't anything that he had control over. He knew that um, you know he was constantly being monitored on that that brain deterioration, and it's just it's a sad deal, and. Um, I feel for his family, and um, we're still we're still dealing with it every day. And um, I'm planning on going um, and doing a whitetail hunt with his son here in another week and week and a half. And so um, I'm, I know Jason's legacy will live on, and, and he was one of those guys that got a uh, a spot in my heart. And and you know his uh, his brown bear that he shot on that hunt, you know we had named that bear Big Nasty, and uh, Big nasty is gonna is gonna end up being life size mounted in my trophy room with uh, with a picture of Jason and I, so that I'll I will remember his friendship and and um, just everything that that he did for me and and the great times we had together. Yeah, it was dang sure a special guy. You know, one of the things that always struck me is how genuine he was, and you know, at the funeral and stuff, and you know, just leading up to it and after it and what have you, so many people reached out saying, you know, I just met Jason one time at a show, you, you know, or, or in the airport or somewhere. And, you know, so many people said the same thing. They felt like they were best friends with him. They felt like he looked them in the eye. He was genuinely interested in what they had to say. Um, and he was just one of those guys, you, like you said, larger than life, you know, uh, a charismatic figure that, um, you know, had a lot of heart and had a lot of guts and, you know, he'll, he'll be deeply missed. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I've been thinking about and, and, you know, witnessing with Kuyu now, you know, he surrounded himself with such a great group of people and such a great staff, um, that, you know, while he was the backbone and the face and, you know, just, just, you know, he was Kuyu. He, he has built a team. Um, he built a team around him that is so phenomenal, and it's, you know, awesome to see uh, all the great gear that they've been making and, and, you know, that they'll continue to make and the, you know, strides that they've been, you know, pushing forward. And, you know, I think that's a testament to uh, his skill set of, you know, being a great, uh, innovator himself, but surrounding himself with a great team, and and so I'm excited to see Kuyu moving forward. Um, 
you talk your motto on your website, and you always laugh about you. You, you know, you you guys focus. You're going to be cold, wet, cold, and miserable. And I can attest to to that. Spending time with you in the Chugach. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the gear that you use and and how it becomes important when the elements get tough. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because people sometimes think we go looking for wet, cold, and miserable, and and <laughs> we're not looking for it. But if you're coming to Alaska, and that's not what you're expecting, then you're coming to the wrong spot. I mean, you can the animals live in the elements. You got to go out in the elements, and you know we got to see we got to see that on on your on your sheep hunt. I mean, and it, to hunt to hunt Alaska, you got to do things that are out of your comfort zone. I, I mean, I don't think, you know, guys understand, you know, on your hunt, it's like, all right, up at 3.30, we're going to be moving up the mountain at 4. We got three hours in the dark because we got to get up there at first light, and it may be raining, it may be blowing, it doesn't matter what it's doing. We got to go, and you can't only protect yourself from that so much, but if you don't have the correct gear, you don't even got a shot even making it. Like, it's not... It's not, you're not going to get up there. You're, the, the elements are going to beat you, and that's, um, that's probably the best way is you've got to show up with the right gear so you're, you're ready for the battle that's coming your way because it is coming your way. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things, I mean, Jason and I were in constant, constant, you know, he used to always say, he's like, you know, when you give me an A on something, it means something because you're the biggest critic. Because, I mean, we were good enough friends that I could tell him, Jace, that sucks. And <laughs> he understood that, you know, I, I was disappointed in it and it was for, for a reason. And so, you know, Kuyu's gear is like, it's, it is the best that's out there and it's always striving to be better. I think that's the, the biggest thing is, you know, you know, 20 years ago, we got something, and we said, man, this is great. I mean, Helly Hansen came out, and we're like, oh, man, this is, what? well, Helly Hansen's now, it's, you know, it's old school, and we got Kuyu's come out with this stuff, and it's continuing to get better all the time. And so it's having the right gear, but another thing is, is understanding that your gear is not, there is not one set of gear that's great for everything. And so, uh... You know, I have a quiver of rain gear from Kuyu. I have a whole bunch of different setups depending on what we're doing in the time of year. And um, it was kind of like, you know, when you came on your sheep hunt, there were certain items that you have that you don't need for that hunt that you may need for another hunt. And, you know, trying to understand what you do need and what you don't need, and each hunt's a little different, but trying to get guys also now to understand Less is more. We don't yeah. need everything with you all the time on every hunt because you can't carry all that stuff. That becomes that it becomes a detriment. You're going to have to suffer some. You know what? You don't yeah. got a clean pair of socks for every day. You don't have a clean pair of underwear for every day. You basically are going to wear the same thing every single day and having the right gear. And Kuyu has made the gear that allows us to where I wear my rain pants for the entire hunt. I hunt in my rain pants where, you know, you don't have a pair of pants and then a separate pair of rain pants, and i got to have that in case something happens. You buy the right stuff, 
it performs correctly, you're, you can go light and you can be mobile and you can be, you know, and you have the things to survive the elements. Do not think that you're going to go out there and it's going to be super, super comfortable all the time because that's not possible on a lot of these Alaska hunts. Yeah, I mean, I think um, your recommendation to wear the Yukon rain pants, you know, and then have your, um, you know, basically your long underwear underneath that, you know, your zip-off long underwear, but just having the Yukon rain pant was a game-changer for me because that eliminated one whole piece of gear that I either had to carry or I had to wear, and that being a pant. And, you know, you're like, it's it's pretty much wet all the time, so why not just wear your Yukon rain pant? And um, I thought that was, a, you know, a big-time savings for me, and I'm glad you did that. Um, you, you make a point, well, you make a point about, you know, you don't, ask for it but that's the way it is i mean sure you'd love to have arizona weather in 65 70 degrees all the time but the reality is you're in alaska that's what you get and it can change at any given time so you have to be prepared for it but um a lot of people don't see the need for technical gear but those same people are people that aren't in elements where it's necessary, meaning if you just hunted Arizona all the time, you don't really see the benefit or see the need to pay the extra money for technical gear. But if you're in Alaska and, you, you know, you're, you're focusing or you're, you're in, encountering wet, you know, cold conditions, that's when you see the technical gear uh you know, and especially of Kuyu rising to the top, right? Exactly. I, here's, when I say we are, you know, 90% success or 80% success, 90% of those guys who are unsuccessful left before their time period was over on their hunt. And they, yeah, they leave because they have been beat down by the elements, by, by just, you know, the disappointment in stocks, whatever it is, the emotional roller coaster, the emotional and physical roller coaster of an Alaska hunt will, will take the strongest guy and really, really challenge them. You know, you're talking 10, 12 days of an emotional roller coaster and the weather and having days stuck in the tent. And what ends up happening is if a guy has the right technical gear and he can stay he can beat that battle and stay in the field. That's what allows him to be successful. Hunting Alaska is a time investment because we have weather. Guys go, well, it's a 10-day hunt. I don't need 10 days. Well, you might need 10 days because we may lose five of them to weather. And that's what uh, Kuyu has allowed guys to be able to, to stay comfortable enough and stay dry enough and stay warm enough, and that gear doesn't get saturated, and that gear doesn't get completely destroyed by the wetness to where they can stay the whole time. And that's the, I mean, I can have the same hunt. We go 10 days, and the guy doesn't get, home, doesn't get something. He goes home. It was a disastrous hunt. He stayed till day 11. We kill a bear, and he's like, best hunt I've ever been on. That's the right. difference is that little bit of success, staying that one extra day, all of a sudden you go from, from champ to chump that fast. Yeah. 
Okay, Lance, um, for those out there listening that would like to apply in Alaska, um, tell the listeners um, the best way for them to get a hold of you and, and how uh, you and Nikki can make the process very, very easy like you do for me. So basically, if you go to our website, which is freelanceoutdooradventures.com, and you go under the hunt uh, tab, it says sheep, and you click on that, and it has our uh, our limited draw application. You can fill that out, uh, scan it back to us, and we can get you applied. If you go to our website, it also has um, our home office and my cell phone number, um, or you can just contact me on our on our email page, and I'll answer any questions and, and get it uh, get the application in for guys. Um, we you know it's it's pretty pretty easy. But if you haven't applied with us before, um, some guys want to talk about choices and make sure that um, everything's good. And, and by all means, just give me a call. Um, I plan on you know being by the phone until uh, until the fifteenth. Awesome, man. Well, um, again. Thanks for the incredible hunt that I had. Dar and I just enjoyed ourselves um, so much and, and getting to know you and your family and the kiddos. And um, it, it was just an awesome experience. And your guides, you have just a phenomenal staff of guides. Just unbelievably professional, um, super high-quality character individuals. And, um, you know, that's, that's not common. And um, it really stood out. Uh, in your operation, and, and uh, for someone that's hunted around quite a bit, uh, you, you know, your operation really stood out as a top-notch operation, and just thank you for uh, for that, and thank you for the example that you lead, uh, and and with the younger guides that you have and stuff, you're, you're a great role model for them, and um, look forward to seeing you. I'm going to be at the Sheep Show um, why don't you tell the listeners also what shows you'll be at, and I encourage them, if they haven't met Lance, to um, to go up there at the shows and uh, shake his hand and get to know him and Nikki. Yeah, we'll be at the at the Sheep Show, and then we'll also be at uh, the National SCI Convention in Reno. So those are the two that we, uh, uh, we definitely attend, and uh, usually, you know, depend on time and what I got going with the kids, I'll... I'll just show up to a couple other shows, maybe the Western Hunting uh, Expo or show up at Grand Slam and, and just kind of cruise around and, and see friends. But uh, those are the two shows that we got booths at, and we'll be there. And uh, I'd love to, you know, anybody that's interested in what we got what got to offer, come by and uh, give me a shout, and we'll see if we can help you out. All right, buddy. Thanks, thanks for sharing with us, and uh, congratulations on your success, and I'll see you. Oh, in a month or so at the, at the uh, Sheep Show, and um, always uh, great having you on, and appreciate uh, all that you do. All right, thank you, and we'll uh, we'll see you at the show, bud. All right, buddy, take care. Okay, all right. Yeah, God bless. Bye. Bye.